Hello friends and welcome to episode number 160 from Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's me, Patrick, here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Still alive and kicking. Yeah, it's been a while since you heard from us. Meanwhile, way out west, home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as they pulled off the big dub. Yes, was it yesterday or Friday? Yesterday. Uh, it's Justin Anderson. Let's just let's just do it because we're I don't know. Apparently, we're a Rough Riders, a secret Rough Riders podcast. Let's talk about it. Big game, big win. How do you feel? I How feel, was your? I feel good. It was it's good to get back in the win column. Third game in a row against the Stampeders. Finally won one. <laughs> um, anytime Bo Levi Mitchell loses, it's a good day in the CFL. I'll say <laughs> yes. Oh, the salt. Yeah. Anyway, it was good. I, I didn't get to watch a ton of it. I was doing like a little, uh, we had like a Friendsgiving gathering last night. So we had a little turkey dinner, okay. bunch of food. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was doing that instead of uh, watching football. So I caught the, I caught the fourth quarter though. All right. So like, we'll get into Blue Jays talk, but l- listen, we don't have the seasons over and we've got to, we've got to live vicariously through some form of sporting because the Maple Leafs and the Red Wings are garbage. So bad. So we got to do something. Uh, let's just talk about it right quick. The Bombers are obviously the team to beat in the CFL. Yeah. They uh, look invincible at this point. The second best, the team with the second best record in uh, the CFL is the three-way tie between the Rough Riders, the Alouettes, and the Argonauts. Um, I really like Saskatchewan's chance. I really like their chances of getting to the to the Grey Cup. <laughs> there's nobody there's nobody else. It's either the Bombers versus one of those three teams because the rest are shit. So yeah, well the Riders are gonna have to go through the Bombers for the Western Final. Oh, that's right. Oh so, no, because what about yes. the crossover? Because the crossover only works if you're in less than four, like below third in your division but better than the other side so yeah the the crossover might not happen this year because east actually has a couple of good teams so yeah the alouettes yeah. and the argonauts but still, and the tiger cats are okay too so yeah meanwhile there's 50 feet of crap between uh even yeah. the lions who are trash and the elks the, are really the bad elks and the red flags yeah just you know start shoveling dirt on them they're toast <laughs> you know here's the next year maybe the atlantic schooners will be there next year who knows i'm not sure what the hold up with that is yeah well, COVID let's, price let's, that well the pandemic probably to you know put a little bit of yeah. on on those plans but uh let's get into it listen we took a three-week break um it was tough the just with so much emotion and and you know mental energy dedicated towards watching the last Jesus, probably 60 games <laughs> of the Toronto Blue Jays only to have it end uh, in tragedy for us was yeah. tough. So we took a break, and now that we're at the World Series, it felt like an appropriate time to come back. We'll talk about the World Series shortly, but um, no eulogies just yet for the Jays. We'll talk about it. We're going to grade in the future. But uh, there's one great thing that we get to announce here. Justin and I've been waiting for this one. Been really excited to say this. I I want to on behalf of uh, all the Toronto Blue Jay fans and players and organization and everybody out there. I want to congratulate uh, one team who I think rose above all and uh, really demonstrated uh, a knack for uh, you know claiming defeat in the jaws of victory. <laughs> I want to congratulate the 2021 iteration of the New York Yankees for their 2021 AL wildcard game participation ribbon. Congratulations to the boys. Let's go. Um, just great effort. Uh, playing some of the most desperate baseball in the final weeks of the season, you could imagine. Uh, only to get into the postseason and lay a big fat stupid egg uh, in the game that matters. Boy, it's got to suck. Um, so congratulations on getting to play that one extra game and boofing it. You just you love to you'll see love it, to don't see you? It. It's, you'll love to see yeah, it. Yeah, the absolute choke that was. The you know, there were this. there were some Yankee fans. I see. I picked the fight. It's my fault. I picked the fight with them. 
about how they said they ran a train on us at the end of the season. You've never picked a fight with the Yankee fans in your life, Patrick. What no, are you talking about? <laughs> I know. Uh, but I mean, them saying they, what what was one quote? They beat the brakes off us in the final, uh, in that, you know, in that final series. And that was what clinched it for them. And I don't know if you guys know how mathematics works, but we won the season series 11 to 8. The difference between us making the playoffs and not was any one of the 71 games that we lost. Mm-hmm. Not the one in particular we played against the Yankees. And when I tried to explain that to them, math, let's just say math isn't really their strong suit. Uh, neither is understanding baseball. But, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> we try to, to help, help out people. Those, yeah. those in need. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, that being said, um, couldn't think of a better ending to the season uh, for the Yankees or their fans than to uh, fumble the ball at the one-yard line. Oof. Yeah, terrific. Very happy, very thankful that it wasn't us who embarrassed ourselves in the postseason. <laughs> uh, enjoy your 92 victories and your 71 losses, which is the same number of losses we had. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's get into it. We've got lots to talk about. So, Justin, uh, you are you're in control here. You're the boss. So, tell me, what are we yeah. talking about? Well, yeah, we got we got a little bit to catch up on. Uh, we had a bunch of players celebrate birthdays: Curiel, Merriweather, Hernandez, Charlie Montoyo celebrated a birthday this month in October since we last talked. So it seems like all of our players were collectively conceived in January. So good for them, I guess. Um, a, a few a few anniversaries <laughs> we got to celebrate uh yesterday joe carter's 93 world series walk-off home run today in 1992 was the f- the first time the world series championship ladder or banner came north of the border so they just won their first of two back-to-backs so some cool anniversaries there uh some finalists um players choice award finalists were announced a few days ago Vladdy is a finalist for Player of the Year and American League Outstanding Player. Marcus Samin is a finalist for the Marvin Miller Man of the Year Award, which sounds like a pretty cool award. Uh, Robbie Ray was a finalist for the American League Outstanding Pitcher Award as well, too. Um, some good things happened there. Uh, Alec Manoa was named to as a member of MLB Pipeline's All-Rookie Team. Congrats to him. We'll talk about him more when we, when we come to grading. Um, and yeah, that was that was kind of the, the really happy news uh, in R.I.P. and C.N.R. Like not actually dying, but in terms of his Blue Jays career, uh, Bar- Jacob Barnes was DFA'd to free up a roster spot. So hopefully he latches on somewhere else. We always wish guys success when they leave, unless they're Tanner Roark, and then they can just go kick rocks. But anyway, um, yeah, that's that's kind of get a little catch up on some of the Twitter action and the birthdays. But a couple of the big things we want to touch on today, Patrick. The Mark Shapiro year-end press conference, some key dates in the off-season, and we'll just we'll just riff it from there. Uh, you told me you you didn't watch the press conference, did you? I didn't. No, I've been very disconnected from baseball since the end of the season. How could you? I, I it was just really frustrating for the season to end early, oh, yeah. and then to see. See what happened. We should re- briefly recap what the postseason has been so far. I suppose we won't we get into do that. Su- <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we don't have to get into super specifics, but um, obviously Boston, uh, you know, uh, won the wild card game and then miraculously defeated Tampa. Who Tampa looks terrible, by the way. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine that could have been us? Yeah. But we had to fuck around uh, when in April with our bullpen, and then we found out that that was a mistake. Sucks, it's weird but anyway, that way. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I'm salty, but whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so Boston frigged their way all the way through the a- ALCS. Yep. And uh, ended up losing to Houston. So Houston are in uh, the uh, the World Series. Uh, Chicago White Sox. Uh, went down very quickly and easily. Yeah, they didn't put up a fight. No, that was quite disappointing. So it's Houston again. Yay. Gotta smash those garbage cans. Actually, that's not fair. This team is doing it legitimately, and I know it's hard to admit that. The legend Dusty Baker at the helm. 
Yeah, you just kind of got to give the team credit for what it is. Meanwhile, the NL, uh, the Dodgers actually had pretty much the same path as the Red Sox. They won the wild card game and then uh, eked out a victory over the Giants. <laughs> Imagine the Giants, how fucking disappointing oh, it's got to be. <laughs> Suck it. Uh, and, but then the Dodgers got their lunch handed to them by the Atlanta Braves. Of all who, people toppled the brew crew who were led by rowdy telez of of all players of all players yeah uh so we have a houston versus atlanta final which is actually kind of i don't know it's kind of interesting because atlanta had the worst division winner record 88 wins uh and here they are in the world series against houston the team that everybody hates because they cheated at baseball uh for a time although you know, most teams probably cheated if we're being honest, but <laughs> yeah. we're not ready to have that conversation yet. So the World Series is going to start, Justin, on October 26th, just two days away. Tuesday. It's going to be Charlie Morton facing off uh, on the mound for Atlanta against Framber Valdez, uh, who had a very impressive season. Um, who you got? Let's just say, like, we don't have to analyze the shit out of this. Let's just say, like, gut reaction. Who's your pick to win the World Series in how many games? Astros in five. Brutal. Just brutal. Uh, I can't get behind that. I'm going to say the Atlanta Braves are going to win the World Series for the first time since 1995 in seven games. It's going to be one of those World Series that's just going to go on forever. Um, That's what I want to happen in reality, yeah, probably Houston and five. Uh, so are we done with this? Yep. <laughs> All right. That's your postseason update. If you're still listening, we're getting to the good shit here about the Jays. Let's talk about Mark Spiro's yeah, let's uh, talk about Mark. farewell conference or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, not not really, not really farewell, but uh, discussing offseason plans. Uh, I'm going to quote some stuff from, from Mitch Baden, Manon on SI. He's a great follow on Twitter at Mitch Bannon. If you haven't followed him already, he does a great job covering the Jays. Uh, there, he posted four main takeaways from the press conference, and then and when I watched it, I had actually taken note of these as my main takeaways as well, too. Uh, off-season plans were obviously the biggest one, and he basically said that the MLB squad no longer has to improve by 10 or 15 wins next year because they just had 91 wins. Basically, if we look back at the last full season in 2019, they lost 95 games. They turned around this year and won 91 just two years later. So that's a pretty big improvement. Um, he did say that the, obviously improvements are still required because Tampa Bay won 100 games and won the division. Uh, on pending free agents, Marcus Samin, Stephen Matz, and Robbie Ray, uh, Shapiro thanked the group and expressed, expressed interest in a reunion, but said he's not a believer in having, and that was in quotes, to sign any specific player back. He said, we would love to sign all those players back. Uh, the Blue Jays will continue to weigh short-term wins against the long-term plan. The core part of GM Ross Atkins' job, Shapiro said, is maintaining a balanced roster in terms of age, salary, offensive approach, and handedness, which is an interesting thing to add in there, to a right-handed heavy lineup. Those are all factors the Jays will weigh when dealing this winter. Now, he mentioned getting better through trade. He talked about how uh, good a position that their farm system is in still to make prospect for veteran trades, as they did with Jose Barrios at the deadline, obviously. Um, And they will look to the free agent market again. He talked about payroll growth, Patrick, which was the second point. Mm. And... The Jays had an opening day payroll at just over $135 million in 2021. And out of that $135 million, some key portions were tied up by Troy Tulewitzki, $4 million, Shunya Maguchi, $3 million. So about 5% of their payroll was between those two players. And then obviously players like Tanner Roark, $12 million. He only lasted a couple weeks with the Jays. He, he tied up 8% of their, play, their payroll. So between those three players, that's almost that was about nineteen million dollars in payroll. So a pretty good chunk. Um, so you figure that's all off the books now, right? So the Jays don't have a lot of committed salary for twenty twenty two as of now. So they're in a big position to obviously they have arbitration players to negotiate with, but they're in a big position to add. Their only players under contract are George Springer, Hunjin Ryu. Randall Grichuk and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And those players mm-hmm. are tying up 
right around $60 million, just for ease of math. So that's a pretty low starting point. You've got Jose Barrios, who's projected to get about $11 million in arbitration. Mm. Teoscar's going to get about 10 is what they're projecting. Vladdy's due for about that's... 8 Yeah, Teoscar's is a big jump, because it's his second year of ARB. And oh, yeah, he deserves it. He deserves, he deserves it. paydays after two back-to-back great seasons. Yep. Uh, Vladdy's projected to get about 8 in his first year of ARB eligibility, and that could be overwritten by an extension if the Jays choose to go that route. They could yep. also do the extension to kick in after his three arbitration years, um, which is what some other teams have done. Ross Stripling, about four point four. He's in his final year of arbitration, and he's he's thirty two years old, so he's still in that in that window. Obviously, battled injuries this year. Was really good for a time. Friend of the show, <laughs> of course, <laughs> and he could be an important member on this team next year. Really, depending on what the Jays do in the offseason, Patrick. If they don't go out and sign a ton of starting pitching. You could see Strips back as a, a fifth starter in the rotation or, a, say, a swingman behind an opener. So uh, how, how important do you think that, that he is going to be next year? Just to stop for a second and ask, ask you that question. Man, I've thought a lot about that question, and it's honestly impossible to answer right now because there's so much work that needs to be done to <laughs> sort of uh, make some decisions as far as right. who's coming back and how much money some of these other players are going to get and whether or not big extensions are coming. It's hard to project what the rotation is going to look like. Obviously, Barrios will be there. Obviously, Manoa will be there. Obviously, Ryu will be there. After that, it really, it's hard to say. It depends on whether or not they re-sign Robbie Ray, whether they re-sign Steven Metz, whether they trade for somebody else, or whether they sign a different free agent i haven't looked at who the free agent pitchers are but i don't there's some big ones out there if i'm being honest i don't see them unless steven matz wants to come back on a very team-friendly contract i think Mm -hmm. he's going to be the one for sure that walks because i don't know that he could necessarily replicate uh such a significant comeback season again next year you got to go with the sure thing if you're if you're a manager, so Robbie Ray, I would rather throw all my money at Robbie Ray than I would at kind of spreading it out. As for Ross, man, there was a time during the season where he was the guy, he was the glue in the rotation. He was the guy holding it down. Yeah. Uh, but he, there was also a time where he was the guy struggling the most, and there was a lot of heat on... Uh, both he and, you know, the guy who sets the lineups mm-hmm. uh, about whether or not he should be starting. And the whole time he said he'll bounce back, he'll bounce back. He worked on the mechanics thing with Pete Walker. Uh, and then he was arguably the best pitcher that we had for about a month. Yep. Not that Robbie Ray, you know, didn't have a signing level season, but he was stripsy. At, was struggling and then he had that uh seven innings of relief performance that he had where he was it was seven shutout innings and from mm-hmm. that point on he was gold until he got hurt and then when he came back he just did not look great probably rushed back uh whether it was his own doing or external pressures who knows mm-hmm. but he didn't really look prepared and he gave up a lot of home runs that kind of inflated his final numbers for the year I yep. mean, if we if we got back uh, post Pete Walker special, Ross Stripling, I'd I'd love it if he was the number five guy. Oh, big time! But, that would be a huge bonus. But it's so hard to say. I think being the swing man or sixth man, I mean, you know, people are pitchers are going to get hurt. Yeah, it happened to every team all year. The pandemic is really fucked with conditioning. Yeah, in a lot of different areas, it's hard to stay ready the way that they all the players had to be because they had the shortened season the year before where they weren't used to having so little time to prepare uh, or recover from injuries during mm-hmm. a season. And now it's like now you're asking the guys to start 30 games when the team only played 60 <laughs> the year before. 
So this is my long-winded answer saying I have no fucking idea. <laughs> also, I'm okay with him being number five, but I'm also okay with him being swing man or sixth rotation. Absolutely yeah. a lock to be on the roster, for sure. But also, you brought it up before too, and I don't remember if this was on a podcast or not, but is he a candidate to be traded? I hate to say it, but... Um... Is it possible? Yeah, I, I don't see it not being possible. I mean, he's got a year of team control left. He's got a track record of being a pretty reliable pitcher in baseball. So I, I could see him being a trade candidate, but I don't think it's likely. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it's impossible for sure. Yeah. It's a, I mean, this is a thoroughly exhaustive way of looking at yeah. Rob Stripling and his role on this team. Would you... What would not surprise me at all is, let's say we get into July next year and the Jays are exactly where they were before. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he was dealt back to the Dodgers. Sure. Yeah. Seems to be just, he was happy there. His family, I think his family is still there. So. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying I, I could see it. But again, this is a thoroughly exhaustive way of looking at the whole thing. I think he'll right. have to be either number five or number six as our starter next year. Yeah, and I can. Cool. So you brought up you brought up that you didn't really know who the big free agents were, and there are a lot of pitchers, a lot of older pitchers who are free agents going yeah. into next season. Zach Granke is the top of the list. He's thirty eight. He made thirty five million dollars this year for Houston. Jesus Christ! Uh, but his his market value is projected to fall to about nine million. I'm pulling these numbers off of uh, Spot Track right now. I would not um, pay $9 million for 38-year-old yeah. Granky. A very interesting pitcher is Justin Verlander, who will be 39 coming into the season. Coming off of Tommy John, he has expressed interest in pitching. Um, so he could be an interesting guy that he's, he made 31, 33 sorry, this year for Houston, not playing at all, which, I mean, the guy's already rich. Um, so like, who who cares? But Clayton Kershaw. He Kersh also married to Kate Upton. Yeah, I was gonna say that, but uh, yeah. dude is one at life. The he dude is. I think he's. I think he could. He could just run off into the sunset. He's got everything that he needs. But uh, Clayton Hall Kershaw. <laughs> yeah, Hall of Fame career, Patrick, for Justin Verlander on and off the field. Um, <laughs> Clayton Kershaw will be thirty-four. His market value is gonna be just below thirty-two million dollars. He made thirty-one this year. Still pretty good. I think it's like he stays in L.A. He's going to be a Dodger for life. Max Scherzer, another guy for the Dodgers. Interesting that all of the top five free agents so far have been either Houston Astros or L.A. Dodgers. There is another guy on this list who has a player option, but we're not going to mention him because he's in legal battles right now, and fuck that guy. Uh, Max Scherzer, 37 years old. Oh, I you know, know who it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to talk yeah. about him. Fuck him. Uh, nope. Max Scherzer, 37 years old, made $34.5 million this year to projected to be worth about 35 million the guy is still elite at 37 he's an interesting guy that blue jay fans and writers had been like saying that the jay should trade for at the deadline this year and seeing what he did for the dodgers post deadline he was the best pitcher in baseball down the stretch yes he was uh, he's been the best pitcher in baseball for like for a long years. time yeah the dude is just elite and then we get into some really interesting players patrick marsh uh, kevin gosman had a great year for San Fran. Marcus Stroman had a great year <laughs> for the Mets. Those guys are both 30. Gosman will be 31 when the spring training starts. Stroman will be close, but not quite. They both made $18.9 million this year. Stroh has a market value of 21. Gosman is about 22.5, so very similar players. We have to mention it. Stroman did say on Twitter that he's open to a reunion with the Blue Jays. I think he's just saying that because it's the right thing to say. I don't think either him or the organization have any desire in reuniting. That was a messy, messy breakup, and I, for one, just don't even bring that that um, ego back into the clubhouse. Oh man, it's such a tough thing. Man, it's such a tough. He's a great pitcher. About. Like he's a great pitcher, and we 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 all knew like how hard the guy plays, and like we can't say anything about like his effort and his and his skill level, but the personality. And the team that the and the culture that the Blue Jays have built right now, I don't know if there's room in the locker room for an ego, and he's got a a chip on his shoulder the size of Niagara Falls. Um, the dude just everything has to be about him all the time. So 
Uh, that's my issue with him, first and foremost. That's fair. I think we need to. I think it's fair to explore all possibilities during yes. the off season. I think every pitcher you mentioned before, Gossman and Stroman, should be a firm no, because you're talking about a lot of guys who are right on the cusp of the age where the breakdown happens almost instantaneously. I would not want to pay any of them, you know, any. I would give Max Scherzer whatever he wants for two years. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would not. I, I acknowledge the fact that he is going to make the Hall of Fame, and he is one of the best pitchers of the last 20 years, easily. Uh, right. Hall of Fame, first ballot, multiple times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We already have a pitcher on our team who is in their mid to soon to be late 30s who could see rapid decline, and it's too yeah. risky. I think we, if we're going to re-sign Fair. guys, it must be pitchers who are nowhere close to being that age where no matter how effective you were before you just the body is made out of hamburger meat and eventually (laughs) it breaks down it's just too much of a risk um let's talk about marcus stroman and then we'll talk about kevin gossman yeah all right so let's talk about the elephant in the room the messy breakup um it's multifaceted first of all when it comes to the breakup, there's lots of different articles and and who said what, who did what about the fight that happened in the clubhouse and how angry he was about getting traded, whether or not it was because he got dealt to the Mets instead of the Yankees, whatever it is. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not going to speculate on it. What I'm going to say is that this guy plays with a lot of passion for the game. He embraced the Mets while he was there. He was definitely vocal as he always has been and continues to be about whether it is uh, arguments with players or treatment uh, of players by the media, whatever it is. And I think it's okay for someone to be passionate about those things. Yeah. Um, It's, it's tough because would you rather have a player on your team who doesn't tweet and has no social media presence and performs the way Marcus Stroman does, as opposed to Marcus Stroman, who performs the way that he does, but also has this <laughs> larger-than-life uh, presence on social media. Right. And I think we all would probably agree we'd rather the quiet guy. Yes. The other issue is that if he returns, let's say hypothetically, if he is interested, is it going to be contingent on us trading Randall Gritchett? Because I don't think those two could coexist in the same locker room. <laughs> it's been made very, yeah. very clear that that is not going to be a possibility no matter what happens. <laughs> I don't know whose side of that story is true, whether it's true that Stroman kicked out every rookie uh, from the weight room so he could use the weight room, or whether or not uh Gritchick is taking something out of context i don't know yeah i don't either um um but it's he certainly is i mean if you had to ask me what is more likely i would think kicking the rookies out of the weight room sounds like a story that has happened before in baseball that's a power move right there it is a power move and would it surprise me that marcus stroman would say or do that I mean, he didn't. No. Den- I don't know that he denied it. I don't so think I he don't ever know. has. I've never seen it, but he could. Anyway, have. it's ugly. Do we want a player like that coming back into the locker room after they rebuilt the mm. uh, the locker room from the fucking ground up? Right. Remember this phrase. This I remember this very distinctly, uh, Justin. You brought this up a very long time ago, and it was about how bringing in guys like George Springer and Marcus Samin. They wanted guys who would would enter the clubhouse and would look to be a part of the culture that was already there Not rather than be the one yeah. exactly. And when Marcus Stroman was here, he considered himself a locker room leader, despite the fact that he was one of the younger players on the team. And he would be a trendsetter and all that other stuff. For the and team. he probably was. And he Absolutely. Absolutely embraced the city uh is still loved by many people millions of people in toronto and in canada unequivocally um 
but can Marcus Stroman be a passive force in a locker room as opposed to an active force the same way that other free agent signings have been? And I think the answer is no. I don't think he can fit on this team. And that would be the final thing I would say about Marcus Stroman yeah. and analyzing this offseason. I'm, I'm with you there. Gosh, I just spilled pop all over me. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, Kevin Gossman. <laughs> Kevin 30... Gossman's interesting. Yeah, he's 34. He's... <laughs> or it's not 34, sorry. No. 31, he'll, he will be. He will be 31. He has had uh, two back-to-back very good seasons Yes. Uh, with the San Francisco Giants. This year was an all-star might be he'll get some Cy Young votes he won't win it um yeah, just, yeah sure gonna win it. <laughs> yeah um dude's gonna get paid a lot of money but I don't think he's going anywhere if I'm being honest there's just two the the Giants are gonna try to keep that together because they, they probably feel like they got shortchanged yeah I I, and I I think that's a fair assumption to think that they'll be the the favorite for sure they're, they're the incumbent right it's the, other teams have to beat them so in terms of their offers he's probably going to command north of 25 million you think possible yes he's already at 18.9 his his market value on spot track is 22.474 so about 22 and a half million is the market value based on his performance so Yankee if there's overpay. if there's a bit if there's a bidding war, perhaps yeah, twenty five could be possible. And I'd say a three to five year deal, maybe five. Yankee years. overpayment incoming. Yeah, Yankee, Red Sox, Dodger, Giant. They all have they all have big market payrolls. So there, he's probably going to get overpaid. I think um, the Jays will look at him. They'll look into it for sure. But yeah, he's a righty though, and I think we want a lefty. Yeah, that's why Robbie Ray is such an interesting topic because of that left-handedness. Because, yeah, right now, Hunjin Ryu is the lefty. And we saw him get we, – we know, we, we'll talk about him more when we grade, but he, he got beat up down the stretch. And, like, the second half of the season was not good. Steven Matz was very good uh, down the stretch and also a lefty. So – We need it, at least one of those lefties to come back. And I think it's probably going to be Ray – and I think most people would agree with that. I think most people would prefer that, yes. I think Matts will get a three- to five-year contract offer somewhere, and he'll take it. I could see him going to a place like Atlanta or Milwaukee for some reason just comes to mind for me. But um, I don't know. He just seems like the kind of guy who's going to get a, like a five-year offer from some fringe team, and he'll just take it. Remember how close Stephen Matts was to getting – bounced out of he was baseball very close and only for him to sort of rise above adversity and have a tremendous year for the jays this year yeah i wonder if he feels like man we got a good thing here do i really want to walk away from it how much is it worth to walk away from it can i get overpaid by somebody else is it worth it to really just i like he, he may not have a connection to the city either because remember, these guys, both he and Robbie Ray didn't start until very fair, like fucking September of this year yeah. in Toronto. They might not have any connection, yeah, to Toronto at all. But they're just getting started, so they might feel like there's unfinished business. Uh, I would still rather Robert Ray. I think he has more to give, and mm-hmm. I can't see him wanting to walk away when he just. He just had that season, and I just, I don't know, man. He's only 30. After the year that he's had, the support that he got from teammates, from coaches, he's the MLB all-time career leader in Ks per nine. Which is a crazy thing to think about. He did it, though. He did it in Toronto. Like, he, he's yeah. done it with the Jays. Like, that's he, he brought all of his career numbers up. He's going to win the Cy Young Award. If he doesn't, it's a fucking crime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a, there's not much more we could say positively about Robbie Ray. He did the charity stuff, too. 
Big time. It's, yeah. I I just see him as being like he. I think he wants to. Be, he stay. He stay. I think he stay. <laughs> you know what though? Did we really lose that much when uh, Kawhi left? Yeah, we did. Okay, never mind. Yes. Let's not replay this. Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still sad about it, but whatever. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> uh, this is Kawhi part two though, and, and I think he stay. You think he stay? Hey. I think okay. he stay. Calling it now. He stay. Sure. I'm with you. But, yeah, those are the big ones. There'll be others that'll pop up. There's a lot of uh, people who have club options. Uh, Craig Kimbrell is, has a club option of $16 million that I think the, club, or the White Sox will likely decline, or they'll try and trade him this offseason, perhaps. Yusei Kikuchi has a club option with the Mariners that they will definitely be picking up because he is worth $15 million a year. Uh, <laughs> great season. Yeah. Um, but those are some of the big the big names there. Uh, back to Shapiro, we've done like the first kind of two things. We talked about payroll. Um, yeah. CBA is the next one, Patrick. Oh Jesus! We've touched on this briefly in past episodes. Uh, the collective bargaining agreement for the MLB and the Players Association is up and needs to be agreed upon. Um, until that does get ratified and and accepted by both by both parties. The offseason can't really start um, because of the fact that a lot of the dates and the um, contracts and other other issues will be brought up that will impact free agents. So interesting thing, but Shapiro said that he's feeling pretty confident about the commissioner being so confident that a deal will get done by December 1st. So he's confident about Rob Manfred being confident. Good for him. The last thing in Shapiro's press conference worth noting is he talked about Rogers Center, improvements and renovations. Uh, the big thing, the Jays are going to be adding a new scoreboard, and they will continue to, quote, look at ways to improve the concourse experience, end quote. Plans for significant stadium renovations or construction of a new stadium, tasks that he has discussed before, will have to wait. He did note that a new stadium for the Jays is a, quote, long-term issue that has been put on hold due to the pandemic, end quote. He did, however, identify a significant Rogers Center renovation or new stadium as, quote, the biggest capital project left for the Blue Jays, end quote. At some point, we've got a bigger issue, is what he said. So renovations coming to Rogers Center again. They obviously redid the the turf and the infield this year before the players came back. A couple years ago, they did the WestJet flight deck in center field instead of the old restaurant, which is a cool addition. And then they're gonna have a new a new scoreboard installed as well too. So some stuff happening around the ballpark. Uh, anything that you want to add on that, Patrick? No. No, that's pretty self-explanatory. I'm, yeah, um, I'm I'm excited. I I don't think we're I think we're a very 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 long way away from seeing a new yes. stadium. I'd say. Will 10 it or happen during years. the Shapiro Atkins era? Probably. Hopefully, not. I, I think I think it's hopeful, but that will at least maybe. get started. They might not see it through, but the planning and maybe they're doing. Well, they're how long were they in Cleveland? It was like what? A while. Um, I have to look it up, but it was a while. I'll for, look it up while I'm looking it up. What do you have to say about like all of this? I think I think a new stadium is inevitable eventually. Uh, I think it'll probably happen on the same site as Rogers Center, so I think they'll they'll demo it and rebuild something there. So it's it's such a great spot for a stadium. Um, so Shapiro started with Cleveland in 1991. So he was there for like two, 20 years. <laughs> he was the GM from 2001 to 2015. So 14 years as the GM. Yeah. So he's as, got so longevity. Yeah. I would I don't see him leaving. He's not going to leave until the job is done. I think so. Um he left in Cleveland because I think he probably felt a little bit hamstrung. Well, actually, you know what? I can't I'm only speculating. I can't really say why he did why he opted to leave, probably because he was no longer the GM. Mm-hmm. He was the pre- or whatever you call it, the president of he is the same role he has now with, with yeah. Jay's anyway. But, yeah, I don't see him leaving. Uh, it's only six years in. I don't see him leaving prematurely. No, I don't either. 
Um, and I don't see Ross Atkins leaving anytime soon either. Why in the fuck would they trade? They the gave him a five-year extension before the beginning of the year, so he's yeah, that's right. He is not going anywhere be- until at least the end of twenty twenty-six. Yeah, which would be a, eleven years in. Something like I that. I don't. Yeah, he ain't go. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, they're here so, for the long run. I think they've they've shown competence is the biggest thing. So they both were with Cleveland for at least fifteen years. Both. Shapiro and Atkins, they worked together in Cleveland for 15 years. Uh, so, like, yeah, they're not they're not going anywhere. So, they, we might see a new stadium. It depends on what yeah. we can do, what they can do. But um, the last thing I want to say about the press conference was the real star of the show, uh, Mark Shapiro's dog Cleo, <laughs> randomly popped up. You could just see kind of her eyes. As he was speaking, she popped up kind of right beside him. It's like her eyes on the top of her head. It was, it was pretty, pretty cute. Just popped up for a second, looked around, and then like realized that she wasn't supposed to be there, and then went went down again. But <laughs> yeah, it's always fun when you. Uh, it's like the yeah. the era of Zoom calls. <laughs> you always have some sort of unexpected thing happen. But shout out to Cleo. That was pretty cute. I love dogs. So, um, last thing I want to talk about today, Patrick, is some key dates in the off season, and of course. This could all be thrown out the window if the CBA negotiations go south. Um, the last day that the World Series can go is the 3rd of November. That's Game 7. If necessary. Um, if necessary, of course. The day after the champion is crowned, players set to become a free, a free agents officially hit that market. For the first five days after the World Series ends, teams have an exclusive window to negotiate new contracts with their own free agents. Once that five-day period ends, players are free to send anywhere. Um, but baseball, unlike other major sports like hockey, basketball, the football, we don't typically see a lot of day one signings. Um, we do have to say, like I said before, uh, keep in mind that the CBA expires December 1st. So absent of that agreement, the pace to the offseason could be slowed. But if everything continues as normal, we'll start off November with a slew of award finalists and winners. November 1st, so in a week, the three finalists in each league for MVP, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year, as well as the Manager of the Year Awards, are announced. On November 2nd, Gold Glove winners are are given out their awards. November 3rd, the Defensive Players of the Year are given their awards. These are uh, based on advanced stats rather than a poll of the managers and coaches like the Gold Glove is mostly based on, even though the Gold Glove does have some uh, sabermetrics included as well too. Uh, one player each position does get selected for that uh, for the best defensive player, which is pretty, pretty fun. Um, def- on the 4th is the Silver Sluggers. The 8th, Rookies of the Year. November 9th is Manager of the Year. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Gabe Kapler is actually projected to win that National League one. And I think he will for the Giants. He's, he oh, God, around. yes. He's, uh, he's the obvious choice. Um, Cy Youngs are, the, are the, on the 10th. Um, I think Zach Wheeler is in the running along with uh, Corbin Burns for the Brewers and Scherzer for the Dodgers, of course. Um, and hopefully Robbie Ray. Is Robbie Ray versus Garrett Cole in the American League there. On November 10th, this is where kind of the free agent season really kicks into high gear, Patrick. Uh, this is where the qualifying offer deadline happens. So any players who were extended that qualifying offer between the 1st and the 10th, they have to accept it on the, by the 10th. Um, the qualifying okay. offer value is uh, $18.4 million for a one-year deal. It was 18.9 last winter. So if the player accepts the qualifying offer, the team pays pays that player $18.4 million in 2022. If they reject, if that player signs the different team, the team who offered the qualifying offer, so in this case, if the Jays offer a qualifying offer to Ray, he denies it and then signs elsewhere, the Jays receive a compensation draft pick at the end of the first round in the competitive balance round. Um, similar to how what happened when Edwin Encarnacion signed elsewhere and gifted us the gift of Nate Pearson. Um, November 11th is the MVP awards. This one's going to be fun. Uh, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Tatis, Austin Riley are, are finalists. 
and the, and the NL, and only three of those guys can actually be finalists. It'll probably be Harper, Soto, and Tatis. Yeah, that's gonna be a fun award to watch because Harper was so good on the stretch, and none none of those teams player none of those teams made the playoffs, so it's interesting. Um, and then in the AL, we we think it's Shohei. Uh, it'll be Shohei, Vlad, and maybe Rafael Devers, perhaps. What about Jordan Alvarez? Jordan well, I guess could not be in the regular season. Yeah, regular season. So it could be Devers uh, in there as the third person as well. Brandon Lau was also very good for the Rays. Um, it should be Devers. But yeah, yeah, it'll probably be Devers over those two. But Shohei's probably going to win, as he should. On the 15th, the Hall of Fame ballot gets released, which is a favorite topic of ours. We like, we've like to cover that in the past, so we'll be revealing that and hopefully uh, giving some predictions there too. And then on the 19th, the roster crunch starts to ha- get get uh, fun. This is where this is where I like to talk about stuff like uh, the Rule Five draft. The cutoff is that day, so college players who were drafted in 2018 or prior and high school players drafted in 2017 or prior must be added to a team's 40-man roster or they will be susceptible to the upcoming Rule 5 draft. Guys that the Blue Jays need to add to the or keep on the 40-man, uh, I think Kevin Smith is eligible for the Rule 5 draft this year. Eric oh. Pardino is eligible, but he he's a guy the Jays likely won't protect because he's working his way back from TJs and has only ever pitched in like rookie ball, so... Uh, a team would have to be feeling very ballsy to keep him on their big league roster for the whole season. But there are some interesting players that the Blue Jays do need to add to their 40-man roster or keep there this this winter in order to protect them from that Rule 5 draft. And we'll get into that as we go closer. But it's So college players who have been minor leaguers for three years or more and high school players who have been minor leaguers for four years or more must be added to the 40-man or they could be claimed in the Rule 5. So that's always a fun one. December 1st is where teams can decide to, is the deadline for non-tendering players. So these are players who are arbitration eligible or pre-arb eligible. So players who are still on like rookie level deals before they reach their arbitration years. So teams can decide to non-tender them, which immediately removes them from the 40-man roster and those players become free agents. So if the Jays decide that, hey, we don't want to offer Ross Stripling arbitration, which is likely around four and a half million, they could non-tender him and he would just be a free agent then. Those are those are very rare unless the player is absolutely terrible. <laughs> so I don't see the Jays having many or any of those, but we'll we'll get we'll get into that. The fifth to ninth is the MLB winter meetings. Those are actually gonna take place in San Diego this year. Um, and they will culminate with the Rule Five draft on the final days. And then on the fourteenth, this is where the arbitration negotiations actually really start to take place so teams and players exchange their desired numbers for what they want their salary to be for said player and if they agree yeah they can reach an agreement uh if they cannot then they have to go to an arbitration hearing where an independent arbitrator will just rule either in favor of the team or the player and assign that salary to the player for the next season Um, there's been some tension over arbitration figures in the past uh, but usually those things are pretty amicable and it's a business after all. And those guys are arguing over hundreds of thousands, if not a couple million dollars. So it's, it's a chump change to them. But for us regular folks, it's a lifetime worth of work. But uh, February 26th is when spring training opens officially. Pitchers and catchers will report the prior week. And then March 31st, Patrick, baseball's back. So from the beginning of November through the middle of November, it's pretty heavy with awards. And then December is where you start to get more into the contract negotiations and a lot of free agent signings typically take place in those first couple weeks of December. And there's usually some trades at the winter meetings as well, too. So um, as as long as the offseason seems, it's really only like three months, uh, three full months, November, December, and January, because in February, pitchers and catchers come back and we begin to grind all over again. So... Yeah. baseball's a year-long game man there's some big there's some big dates on the calendar but again the cba is looming and if that doesn't happen and it's not ratified quickly or like say by the first that's when there'll be some trouble on the horizon because we could see a potential delay to events and if it goes long enough like let's say it's not ratified by middle of january we could see a delay to the season and that would be a nightmare but yeah, that's what be, I got. <laughs> that would be that would be yeah. It's a lot of stuff to happen stuff. over a short period of time. We will continue to be, I guess, 
we're talked about shortening down to just one a week until we actually have stuff to, to talk right. about. Yep. So I think very soon you'll see our uh, grading episodes come out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of, I'm in the mood to like chill with that. It's coming, but we don't need to do it right now. The World no. Series is still happening. Yes. So I'm curious. We've got, it's going to be an intense period from probably about, you know, the time that the World Series ends and I don't know, maybe the 1st of December. A lot of shit's going to happen really, really quick. <laughs> A lot of awards will get dished out. Yep. Kevin Cash is probably going to win manager of the year, but don't Most be surprised. Likely. If probably Dusty Montorio. Baker might get it for the Astros. Ooh, I think the top three will probably go Cash. Uh, don't rule Cash out. Cash Montoya uh, and then Baker. Don't rule out Alex Cora as well. I'm ruling him out. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's really all we want to ch- cover today. Uh, we'll, b- of course, be back next week with with some more info. We might get into some grades, but we'll see how we feel. Maybe the World Series will be over by then if the Astros do indeed win it quickly, but it's unlikely. It'll probably be two weeks before we can talk about that. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for waiting out and being patient with us as we took a bit of a postseason break. I'm sure we'll take some more breaks around the holidays as well, too. But uh, uh, always you can find us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. You can find our website, bfmdpodcast.com. You can also listen to us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google, a whole bunch of other podcast platforms. Let us know what you think of the show. If you've got topics and questions that you want us to cover or answer this offseason, send them to us. DM us on Twitter. Just tweet at us. Submit them through our website to the, through the contact form. We'll get them that way too. But uh, for Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, it's Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, saying we'll see you next time.